Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris. I'm joined by Scott Kalora, and you're listening to Keeping It Real, the IGN Movies podcast. And uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week, lots of uh, sort of late-breaking stuff, rumory stuff, um, and as always, a huge heaping handful or a double handful. Who knows? This is getting really graphic. Um, a bunch <laughs> a of news. That's what I meant to say. We've got a bunch of news. Huge heaping handfuls of news. By the way, Piranha 3 Double D is in theaters. Um, <laughs> So, um, so yeah, uh, Scott is uh, is a frequent movies contributor. I'm sure you've seen his stuff on the site, and he's been a podcast, uh, I wouldn't say regular. I'm like a podcast replacement killer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but Scott's definitely uh, graced, with, uh, graced us with his presence several times, and we hope to get him more involved in the future. It's just that our, uh, our podcast recording setup is... Is like it's out of medieval times. <laughs> yeah, and since I'm on the East Coast, actually, it's a little, uh, little tough. But we're trying to figure out ways to, to uh, bring me in here or there. And since Jim's out of the office this week, it is kind of a good chance for me to, to kind of jump in. Yeah, so. he's he's off gallivanting internationally as uh, as we've been doing lately. We yeah. feel like, feels like some uh, some serious like Mission Impossible stuff with the IGN editors lately. Yeah, um, totally. But, uh, but yeah, so let's start, as we always do, with uh, recapping uh, this week's box office. Um, Scott, why don't you run down the numbers, and, and we'll, we'll tell you how we fared. Sure. So Men in Black 3 uh, came in at number one with $55 million. Those were uh, the uh, – that was, like, just for the weekend, not for the, um, the, th- the three-day weekend. Not four-day weekend. Weekends, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I'm not sure what you guys were doing prediction-wise last week. In we were going with three-day weekend. Okay, so yeah, so 55, and uh, it, it was um, it it came it underperformed. I think it was expected to do like 80 to 100 uh, for the four-day, <laughs> and um, 55 definitely wasn't going to get it there. For yeah, four. yeah, so it underperformed, but it did it did. Uh, hit number one and knocked the Avengers out of the first pl- first place spot finally, uh, and Avengers was at number two with thirty six point nine. Uh, Battleship sinking at number three with ten point seven million. Uh, the Dictator at fourth with nine point six, and Chernobyl Diaries, which was uh, I believe Chernobyl Diaries had ju- just opened. Yeah, it last just week. opened last week. Yeah, yep. so it o- it debuted at eight million, which you know what? It probably only cost eight hundred dollars to make. So, <laughs> so so here's what we predicted. Jim had Men in Black. He was actually pretty close. Yeah, you know, as close as we get. Uh, yeah. He had it at uh, forty nine million. Okay. Um, and then Avengers coming in at 30. I had Men in Black significantly lower. I mean, I, we both um, thought it was going to underperform. Um, so I had mine at uh, 55 million for Men in Black. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> that would have been the. You would have been right on, yeah. Right on. I'm sorry. I had mine at 39 million. And then for Avengers, 32. So I was closer on Avengers. Jim was closer on Men in Black. Okay. And we both had Chernobyl Diaries pegged at higher. Um, you know, but I think sort of some bad reviews and bad buzz kind of killed that movie because I, f- yeah. I feel like heading into it um, before there was, you know, before the reviews started rolling in, there was actually some positive feeling around that movie. And then, I wonder, yeah, it, there was some real negativity about it when, once people got the chance to see it. And I wonder if those found footage horror cheapies don't play as well in the summer as well when there's, there's other bigger stuff to go see. You know, 
I honestly think um, horror movies play a little bit better during uh, colder months. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like in the summer, horror has somewhat of a problem connecting. Um, but, it, I, I, you know, horror movies like, barely cost anything to make. No matter when you release them, they usually make a profit. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure this one will turn a profit, especially when you factor in international and home video and all that stuff. One one thing I'm really interested in is to see what the box office for that movie is in Russia. <laughs> like, how is that going to play there? I mean, uh, I've already pre I've already pre-ordered Chernobyl Diaries too on Amazon.com, the Blu-ray. So uh, I'm psyched. But... <laughs> <laughs> probably not um so yeah so um that does it for that again we were like really super close to our with our predictions um and uh and now we're and gonna move on to some moves you guys are masters at it but compared to me by the way when we get to the end uh, today we'll see <laughs> but... uh no we're not we're not masters we've been on a pretty bad we've been on a pretty bad uh tear here for a while just like missing things like 20 million um what's funny though is that when i saw the um when I saw the trades, you know, it was after we had actually made our predictions for Men in Black, and I was kind of, I, I was thinking that Men in Black was going to do, um, or they were thinking that Men in Black was going to do the numbers that you said, eight eight hundred to or eighty to hundred million. Right. And yeah, <laughs> turned out nowhere close to that. So I'm happy I didn't, I didn't go with the trades, but I was still yeah. sixteen million off. Still, nothing yeah. to write home about. And, but you know the thing about it is it is a a men in black movie it's like a 15 year old franchise now and people are uh, someone's still out there interested in it so uh it it was a troubled production i guess that's those are the reports and it cost a lot more than maybe it should have so in an alternate reality it might actually have have been a more profitable venture because people are are still interested in it i guess but uh it's one of those things where you know they did reshoots and stuff so who knows how much it really cost as well yeah um, but yeah you know definitely disappointing and uh and we'll see we'll see what it does this weekend uh yeah. so i think it's gonna have more competition yeah yeah for sure so yeah um, george lucas yeah what, georgie what up <laughs> i'm excited about this actually so the george... news is it's george lucas is getting replaced at lucasfilm yeah yeah He's choosing to be replaced. He's not. He hasn't been involuntarily replaced. But um, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who is uh, Steven Spielberg's longtime producing partner, along with Frank Marshall, she and she's made everything from E.T. to Raiders of the Lost Ark to The Sixth Sense. Uh, she's actually going to become co-chair. I think the title is along with Lucas at Lucasfilm and they Lucasfilm released a press release about this today and they said that uh this is basically to get to ease Lucas into retirement he's going to be working with with Kennedy to show her the ropes of how to run Lucasfilm and that uh there was a quote in it from Kathleen Kennedy where she said she's going to work with Lucas for one or two years as he eases out so the way they're they're talking right now it seems as though lucas might actually be stepping down from lucasfilm in the next two years which very, is kind of crazy when you think about it very interesting too because we've heard this from him before but um i feel like once the rumor came out um you know just i, I think it was just a couple of days ago um then yeah. right after that they they issued this press release almost as if to say hey he's serious about it uh, yeah. this is actually happening and uh yeah 
So very well, interesting. It's become because it had kind of become a running joke. He would he was always whenever he was interviewed, he'd say, "Yeah, I want to I want to go off and make more personal films, and I'm <laughs> done with blockbusters." And and then he'd like release like Red Tails or Indiana Jones Five or something. Which is so, interesting because he essentially created the blockbuster. Yeah. He like true. he and Spielberg kind of co you know co-created blockbusters and without those two guys we wouldn't have the movies that we have today we wouldn't have avengers we wouldn't have you know we'd all be sitting around watching you know my dinner with andre yeah <laughs> terrence malick movies all day long <laughs> no way screw that man i need my explosions <laughs> but uh yeah so i i love uh like T thx 1138 which was his first feature uh it's kind of um yeah, it's it was a it was a studio film that he made, but it was kind of a slightly more artsy, fartsy. It was not a big tentpole type explosions and things. And I love that. I, and I love I've seen some of his student films, not a lot, but he he actually started off doing kind of kind of art films in, in film school, and that's the stuff he wants to get back to. So I think this is great because we all have been ragging on him for so long. Uh, and now maybe we can actually start cheering for him again, you know? And, yeah. Uh, well, I was kind of cheering for him with Red Tails. I felt like Red Tails, you know, it was a project that had been simmering with Lucas for a long time. And yeah. I, to be fair, I haven't seen the film yet because um, I have to say that all the reviews and, you know, personally talking to people really dissuaded me from wanting to see it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, you know, if he makes another movie like THX 1138, I think he's going to get a lot of credit. Yeah, um, for sure. but I don't think he's gonna do that. I think what he's gonna do um, is probably he, he's talking about like getting out. Like I, I like my movies are not gonna be released in the theater anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which how do you do that when you're at that level? How do you, when you're George Lucas? How do you make a not, a movie and and not show it to anyone? Right? Like how does that work? It's uh, yeah, and even from from an ego perspective as well. He's so he's used to the whole world watching what he does. So be really interesting to see where this goes yeah i agree i agree i think um well if nothing else it'll be interesting to see if he actually follows through on it because it sounds mm -hmm. like he's been kind of weary of doing the whole business thing for a while and and you know i i feel like if he truly is sick of all the stuff that he's created then he kind of owes it to himself he's been really mired in star wars and everything it that's spun out from it for a long long time so yeah. why not you know you, why yeah. not take some some time in your life and, and do things that make you happy? Exactly, yeah. It's and not then, like he has to worry about a paycheck or anything. <laughs> and then the other part of it is, you know, under her, do we see new Star Wars IP? Do we see new, you know, experiences brought to the to the movie screen or TV or, you know, are we going to see more animated stuff or different animated stuff? And, you know, how are all these things going to roll out under her? Um, right. And will she have the go-ahead from Lucas? Because... It could be the coolest thing in the world if somebody else was able to come in and make a Star Wars movie, an old Republic yep. movie, or, or something along those lines. Oh, my God. And now, of course, I mean, it's been like a rumor and a fanboy wish for so long, the idea of Spielberg making a Star Wars movie. And now this woman who he's worked with for 35 years or whatever, is uh, she's going to be in charge of Star Wars. It's like almost too much the fanboy <laughs> mi the fanboy mind can't handle it right yeah yeah <laughs> although you know i have to say um i i, I just recently watched uh Tin Tin, um and uh, it yeah. made me feel like uh spielberg's powers had mightily waned <laughs> and uh I, you know i i love that guy but uh 
but I haven't I haven't seen a movie of his in quite a while that has made me really excited. You know, that's yeah. that's yeah. I would say Munich was his last movie that I was really really stoked on. Yeah, um, and that was a great film. But uh, yeah. but yeah, that was a while ago too. Now, right? That was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what else we have? Uh, let's see. Well, War we, news. Are we are we allowed to talk about Prometheus or is that, is that off? I think limits. you know. Let, sure, we can we can talk about it in broad strokes. I think because we just put the review up on the site, um, and it got seven out of ten. We can talk a little bit about the new rating scale too, because I know Jim and I kind of glossed over it last week. Um, essentially, uh, we switched from stars to numbers. It's something that we've been wanting to do for a long time, um, and uh, the stars were this sort of antiquated old thing that we've had on the site. Um, since the days of Film Force, um, and essentially it was kind of shoehorned in. It didn't really fit with the um, the IGN way of rating things. Um, it's always this sort of uh, redheaded stepchild. My apologies to all redheaded stepchildren. <laughs> um, so it was always this different way of doing things, and we, you know, it becomes problematic just from a logistics perspective when you're trying to display sc- scores on the site. You know, if you ever com- combine. Um, movies and games and everything into one reviews index um, it's impossible yeah. because it just looks weird to have all those mixed ratings and stuff like that and then also you know we want everybody who's looking at the site to kind of view everything in the same way you know here's how we feel about movies here's how we feel about games etc so right. all those reasons we decided to move to a number scale and so if you're having real problems with it uh, coming to terms with it just divide it by two you'll be set right. Right. It's basic <laughs> math technique. The yeah. the beautiful thing about it for me is that there are always those movies that kind of fall in the gray areas. You know, something that wasn't three stars that was four stars, you know, or that wasn't four stars and wasn't three stars. Wasn't even three and a half stars, you know. Mm-hmm. If 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 it's a if it's seven point five that makes that extra little bit of distinction possible. Um yeah. and you know, there are movies that are almost perfect that we will probably give a nine point five to. Um, you know, that's, you're going to be, you're going to be seeing some stuff like, I, I imagine, you know, something like Avengers could have earned a 9.5. Um, so yeah, I mean, just be on the lookout for it. Uh, tell us what you think in the comments section. Um, always looking for feedback on stuff like this. Um, but those are the reasons that we moved to that rating scale and, um, and definitely, uh, tell us, tell us how you feel. Yeah. Go read our, our Prometheus review and and see what you think of the number score that we gave it. So <laughs> n- now, uh, n- now Scott and I have both seen Prometheus, and uh, you know we're not going to talk about anything spoilery here. But if you really don't want to hear any opinion whatsoever about Prometheus, you should probably skip ahead in the podcast about two or three minutes. Yeah. Um, so, from my perspective, um, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. Um, it did feel like a, a nice return to sci-fi from Ridley Scott. Um, and just a beautiful movie and some really, really awesome performances, especially by Charlize Theron and Michael Fassbender. I think they kind of nailed it. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Numi Rapace, we always butcher her name, um, <laughs> was was really good as well. Um, and, and I also really enjoyed Idris Elba in, yeah, in his role. Yeah. He's funny, yeah. But um, what did you think about it, Scott? Uh, I agree with you. I think, I mean, it's a beautiful movie, right? Just visually, it's amazing. And um, and I'm not a big fan of 3D, but I felt like the 3D was actually pretty well done. Pretty uh, understated. Understated, yeah. Definitely kind of that 
it just kind of added to the atmosphere of the whole thing as opposed to xenomorphs shooting out at the screen or something not that there are xenomorphs in the movie that would be I'm rad that. <laughs> it was just a xenomorph cannon pointed at the screen <laughs> I, but, uh, I mean i kind of felt like the movie it kind of poses a lot of big questions i, I don't think it's giving anything away to say that essentially the characters head out into space because they're looking for like the answers to where mankind originated who who created us right what and uh and so they those are some pretty big heady questions and i didn't really feel that they gave us much by way of answers in the end or that even what they did give us made sense necessarily yeah I, I definitely think it it asked a lot of things that um it couldn't answer um at least in this in this frame, but then there are also some weird motivations and stuff like that, which we really can't get into until after right. people have seen the movie. But uh, right. definitely, um, I, I think you know it's totally worth checking out from a science fiction fan perspective. Oh um, hell yeah! It's yeah. you know there's a lot of the old flavor in there, um, and then there's and then there's some nice new tricks. You could tell a lot of the stuff was um, practical, mm. but then when they did move to CG, it was really really seamless it really integrated well yeah yeah it's true yeah and it's a movie that uh, i don't say this too often these days but it's a movie that i definitely want to go back and see again uh to take another pass at it see what i didn't catch the first time around because there is a lot going on uh yeah it, it's a lot of times you know we can i mean we've s seen so many movies and you know we do this for a living and we you can kind of see something and right away you know what you're getting and and it's easy to just kind of sum it all up half hour after you've seen it. But this is a movie that you really think on and you feel like you need to sleep on it. And, uh, right. so, uh, but and, I also think it'll, our it'll change your, it'll change your opinion of it too. You know, like my, yep. my snap opinion of it is, has already changed somewhat, uh, you know, from when I watched it to now, um, which happens, you know, a, a fair bit with movies that are that engaging, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you're like saying you about expectation, right? Yeah, just uh, that you know, we Ridley Scott hasn't made a sci-fi movie since Blade Runner, right? Thirty years ago this summer, and uh, so we've, as film geeks, we've had some real high hopes for this movie. So I, I wonder if it ever even had a chance of really meeting those expectations as well. Uh, it, yeah, it, you know, we really maybe built it up more than, than we should, should have in well, our minds. I said in this same podcast that it was the movie that, you know, uh, aside from Avengers, which is now already, you know, you know, gone on and done its wonderful things. It, it was the movie I was probably most excited about just from a pure, like giddy fanboy perspective. You know, I, yeah. I really want to see dark Knight rises, but it's, it's it felt like it's been coming for so long that I'm just like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. This totally, movie, yeah as weird as it sounds was kind of low key on my radar for a while until those trailers started to hit. And then I was like, okay, now I'm really excited. Now I really need to see this. And then it was kind of like building and out of fever pitch. And then when I finally got to see it, it was at the height of my expectations. And I have to say, even with really high expectations, it did not, I, I didn't feel let down by it. It felt like there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. So like sex, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but sex is kind of like even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. And this one, that's true. And then well, I don't, we're clearly not having the same kind of sex. I don't know. But... <laughs> oh, you know, yours is full of shame. 
abject disgust. Um, so, but uh, you know what's interesting? I mentioned to my buddy from high school yesterday that I was going to see Prometheus, and he totally didn't know that it was an alien prequel or that it was connected to the alien movies or whatever. Uh, They've been downplaying just, that. They really have, and I wonder if that – and this guy is like a – this guy knows the alien movies. I mean, he's not like he's not online all day every day reading about movies, but he's a guy who knows his movies and uh and he didn't know anything about it. And I wonder if that's going to be a mistake for for Fox just in terms of uh box office receipts, you know, like that though they might be missing out on a few ticket uh, ticket sales with the people who might go see it just because it's an alien movie or connected to the alien universe or whatever you want to call it. This has been a very interesting interesting year to watch marketing in movies because you have something like John Carter that comes out huge flop and you know we've already talked ad infinitum about the mistakes that were made with the marketing there you have something yeah. like Avengers that came out that was perfectly marketed like I don't know if there's ever been a movie that has been marketed that well um, and then and then you have uh, Hunger Games another you know they actually like rode the wave of popularity of that book to very big box office success now you have this which I wouldn't say fits the John Carter mold at all, but they are shying away from something that I don't feel like they should necessarily be shying away from. And I think they're kind of catering to the filmmaker, which happens a lot in marketing. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's I think that's cool. You know, they definitely I think it, it is sort of a way to set expectations like this isn't really an aliens movie. Right. Like it's right. set, you know, in that same universe, but it's not. It's not the same thing, so I think they don't want people to go in and be like, well, cool, I'm going to go see some Xenomorphs, you know, wreck, yeah. wreck shit. Um, it's not that <laughs> movie, right? So um, I think, I, I think there's, that, there's that fear that they'll be setting people's expectations wrong. Now, yeah. that said, when Prometheus opens, I, I would not be surprised if like the third, second or third week of advertising after it opens – does make those connections after people have gone and formed their opinions and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And I expect there'll probably be good word of mouth on this film as well. I agree. Yeah. It's beautiful. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think there, you know, there's this, there's probably this like really small portion of people who are really, really tied into the myth mythology who are the people that could be disappointed by this movie. I'm not saying they will be disappointed by this movie. Those people who had their expectations built up to high, uh, heaven um, are the people who could be disappointed by this movie. Um, yeah. And it's purely because it's probably not the movie that exactly everybody expected. But right. we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it'll be yeah. really interesting to see the receipts on this. But, you yeah. know, we have another whole week to wait about for it. Yep, that's right. Yeah, it doesn't come out for another week. So, uh... And in between, we have Snow White and the Huntsman, which is another interesting, interesting movie from a marketing perspective. You know, we had Battleship that just basically tanked a couple of weeks ago and now this is another universal movie um with a lot riding on it um it's another it's another interesting sort of uh marketing thing like how much do you play up Kristen stewart does she right. draw the same audience is it going to be something like alice in wonderland is this is it going to draw that crowd um, yeah yeah it's true yeah yeah because there's some people who are say so the younger dude demographic i guess is going to be totally off the idea of Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Right? Um, so how do you, yeah, how do you get the, the twilight fangirls to come in and see it without scaring away the, the dudes who might want to go see it because Chris Hemsworth's in it. <laughs> yeah. Kicking, I was just going to say out. like, 
dudes are probably way more in love with Chris Hemsworth than they are Kristen Stewart. <laughs> exactly. I know I am. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even yeah. ashamed of it. And they'd be yeah. like, "That's freaking Thor," and he's up against Bella. What do you think? <laughs> I'd probably make out with him first. <laughs> You've seen him in person, right? He's like, you... I actually moderated a panel uh, okay. with him at, at uh, C2E2 a couple of years oh, yeah, ago, right. and uh, he's a he's a huge dude, and like he's very he's got a sort of very magnetic personality. This sounds like I'm totally in love with him, but I'm not. He's really uh he's a really just like genuine cool guy, and yeah. uh, and he has that. He has that like spark that you know you want movie stars to have. Yeah, um, totally. So That's true. Yeah, he's also quite beautiful, right? <laughs> he's he is he's very like uh, chiseled, you know. Like, yeah. You're just yeah. like okay, all right. Well, so, sometimes you meet these guys and you these stars and celebrities, and you're like, you have no idea how they got to the position that they're in. Yeah, they're but then you meet a guy like. Yeah, and but then you meet a guy like Hemsworth, and it's like, oh yeah, like of course this guy's gonna wind up being a movie star. Like he's just got all those mix, as you say, all those qualities, uh, not just the good looks or whatever, the or but the charisma and uh, very personable, and it's just like, yeah, of course this is what he's doing. <laughs> I was out to dinner last night and uh, walked in. It's like sushi place reopened near my house, and sitting in the closest table to the door is Alexander Skarsgård and he is another person like that in person he has that thing he's got that yeah. like you know that, that that thing that like makes him a star um yeah. and and uh it was it's really interesting like you know we see in 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 LA and to a lesser degree in New York you see a lot of celebrities just walking around um and it's it's very odd you can look at somebody and not really know they're a celebrity sometimes, you know, because of the way right. they carry themselves and, you know, posture and all that stuff. And sometimes they're trying not to be seen. But there are some people who just kind of radiate, like, that star energy. And, I, you know, I, I hesitate to talk about it too much because I don't want to sound like I'm just some starstruck bastard. But um, <laughs> that's, it, it really is like that. And you can tell why they got to the position that they're in. Yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah. And did, did you say that you also saw Kirsten Dunst last night? Yeah, yeah, same restaurant, <laughs> different party, and you know they they were in um, Melancholia together, right, um, yeah. and so they you know they were they were talking about. It. I kind of was like, Melancholia was like one of my favorite movies of last year, and I was kind of <laughs> I was like, man, I should go up and ask some Lars von Trier's questions, but I don't <laughs> think I'm going to do that. I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> uh, no, I hate I hate when you see that in public, and even there, you know, like. Um, there's a sort of unspoken rule in LA that you don't approach celebrities just because there's so many of them. And, and, you know, it's kind of like, it's just a respect thing, you know? Yeah. I think, I think people outside of LA, you know, somebody pops up in Des Moines, Iowa, you know, right. sure. Go for it. You're at the mall and you see freaking Kirsten Dunst, you know, go grab a picture with her. But there, yeah, yeah somebody had asked for his picture and it's very rare to see that, but he's really gracious and stuff. It's just very, it's, it's odd. There's a different sort of mechanic to that whole thing here. Yeah, you can yeah, tell when sure. somebody's from out of town or something visiting. Yeah. Like, oh, I, and I think, I think in New York, there that's not those rules aren't really in effect because there's so many out of towners in New York. Like, it's yeah, uh, there's so many tourists and uh, and they are going to just go up to you and and ask for a picture or or whatever. In uh, L.A., the tourists are all really confined to certain areas. They're not just like roaming around you know, everywhere. So it's really rare to see people because 
LA is so big, it's really hard yeah. to understand even what to do. You know, like yeah. when you come here to be a tourist, you're like, okay, Hollywood Boulevard, and then uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. So you don't see, you, you don't like, you know, I live out in the valley. And that's where a lot of celebrities live too, um, just because they can own homes here. LA is still very expensive, um, and so like you'll see people in the valley all the time eating at these like sushi places, etc. Um, it's just really interesting. And, and you, oh, I'm sorry, Did but they're but they're outside of the tourist spots, is what I'm saying. Okay. So like, okay, right. It's not yeah. like you're mixing in in New York. Just everywhere is kind of a tourist yeah. destination. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Plus, you guys keep the keep the tourists in cages, don't you? <laughs> we hope to. <laughs> in five years, we're gonna, you know, finish that plan. It's it's weird, dude. Like, I would never, never, never want a vacation in LA just because um, it 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 takes you a while. LA is one of the cities that takes a while to like let it sink in and and yeah. really find out what's great about it. New York, you can go there and be like, it's the greatest city on earth. Yeah. Um, like immediately, you know why, you know, every spot is like a cultural landmark in LA. Like even the stuff that's, that's that are like landmarks, it, it doesn't occur to you right away. Um, yeah. What, yeah. outside of like the walk of fame and stuff like that. I've never figured, I've been there a bunch of times. I've still never figured LA out. Yeah. So. It's, yeah. I mean, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing. If you, if you're living here, you get it. I love it. You know, I've been living here for a while and, and sure, yeah. it's just definitely like, uh, I, I love this place. I don't know if I'll ever leave it. So uh, I, I like it. I just, I, I've just never could figure out what's what, what's where, what you know, like. <laughs> what's good about it? <laughs> I'm a tourist, I guess, when I go there. Yeah. So, first class getting a sequel. Oh yeah. So yeah, X Men first. Uh, Fox, I guess, released a whole bunch of the um, the release dates yesterday for their pro upcoming projects, and uh, the ones of most interest to us were X Men First Class uh, and Planet of the Apes. Rise of the Planet of the Apes Part Two, which now is a title, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. You know, I like her. She's a really nice girl. <laughs> Dawn. Yeah. It's Dawn Draper's secretary. Right? <laughs> Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. This is so <laughs> terrible. I don't like that title at all. Well, it's like they're running out. You start to run out of these these cutesy little uh, riffs, right? It's like the, they had the same problem with the Judge Romero's uh, Living Dead movies. Eventually, they it had to become Land of land of the dead and then diary of the dead and yeah it's, it's just it starts to yeah but uh so x-men first class is going to come out july 18th 2014 which feels like a really long time from now yeah especially uh, since the first one is super russian production exactly yeah so they're going to shoot it uh in early 2013 and that was uh that had uh, something to do with the hunger game situation where um they um Fox was fighting with Lionsgate a little bit over Jennifer Lawrence because they both had sequels they wanted to put into production, right? So, yeah, and they got their schedules all worked out. And yeah, they worked it out. Yeah. So, Hunger Games sequel, Catching Fire, will shoot first, followed by X Men First Class Two, uh, and so yeah, X Men First Class Two will be July eighteenth, two thousand fourteen. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes will be May twenty third, Memorial Day, two thousand fourteen. So basically, those two sequels are coming out summer of 2014 and then uh spielberg's robo robopocalypse is that how you say it <laughs> robopocalypse i don't know <laughs> that's that was pushed from 2013 to 2014 uh so that's kind of like one of spielberg's t things on his to do he's got like 
that to-do list of movies. He's like Ridley Scott. He's got all these movies in development that you kind of believe it when you see it, whether they actually will get made or not. Is he just but, producing uh, that? No, he was supposed to direct that. So, huh. uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, you know, also on the Hunger Games tip, they changed the name of Catching Fire from Catching Fire to Hunger Games colon Catching Fire. So they're kind of going with the Twilight um, idea there and, and making sure mm. you know that this is a Hunger Games movie, which in yeah. my estimation is a good move. Yeah, You're going to want to capitalize on that. I would say so. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the never underest, never overestimate the audience, right? Yep. Like, don't assume they're gonna know what that is. And uh, and more news but, on Hunger Games sequel. Um, Taylor Kitsch uh, denied reports that uh, he was going to be in John or the John Carter star. Uh, Taylor Kitsch denied he was going to be in Hunger Games as Finnick O'Dare. Mm, uh, um, and have you read yeah, the game, the books? No, my wife read the first one and she's on the second one right now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he would have been an okay choice for Finnick, you know. They had already tossed around Robert Pattinson as Finnick, and mm -hmm. you can see what kind of guy they're going for for that role. Um, Finnick Odero is this guy who's, um, who's a little arrogant and, you know, definitely described as good looking. So that's kind of the mold of person they're going for here. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And, uh, you know. He's a He's a former tri uh, tribute. Is that what it is? Uh, the character. Yeah, I mean, he's he's you know definitely definitely a former tribute, and and you know I don't want to give too much away about the story, so I'll stop. Okay. There. <laughs> okay. Should I go back and delete what I just said? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Former tribute. Uh, but uh, you know, Taylor Kitsch, he, he had that one-two punch of John Carter and Battleship in the past. Were those punches months. or were those pulled punches? <laughs> I think they were limp, limp-wristed. Oh man, sort of those pushes. are like maybe like yeah, like finger slaps or something. I don't know. <laughs> they were not. Uh, and I feel bad for him because you know well, we've we've gone over John Carter over and over again, but uh, yeah. But I don't think either one of those was his fault. Well, no, you know you you can't spend that much money on a movie and, and cast a guy who's really only known for his tv work it's not I mean, it's not his fault yeah like you, but you know he might have been good for like a hunger games or catching fire role like that because it's not he's not i'm assuming it's not the star starring role yeah it's a supporting role to jennifer lawrence right so it's a it's a proven franchise that's gonna do well and it would get him more recognition that way so uh honestly he's been in two starring roles now and you know we we discussed this on like the battleship podcast a couple weeks ago but like he needs to dial it back now he needs to be a supporting character he's done that he's done that try at being a leading man and he has to kind of i think retreat a little bit and then build back up to that um yeah i don't exactly i don't think he's necessarily a, a bad leading man i i just think he is going to need to reestablish himself a little bit yeah and you know i love what robert pattinson is doing these days like post twilight like he not that twilight's done yet we, we still have one more entry it's done but, in my mind <laughs> he uh you know he's doing these like kind of indie artsy type films whatever i hear he's working with george lucas and george lucas's garage actually <laughs> but, <laughs> that no, would but, probably yeah, bring like, way more heat than george lucas wants <laughs> <laughs> but you know he's not it doesn't feel like he's trying to be a movie star you know it seems like he's just kind of doing doing movies he's interested in and after you're in one of those big franchises like 
if you're a real actor, maybe that's what you should be doing, right? Like he's probably doing okay financially. He can get the jobs that he wants to get now. So why not go make a, a movie with Cronenberg? Uh, yeah, you know, like, exactly. I think, so. you know, Dan, Daniel Radcliffe is the same way. He's yep. smart about, hey, I'm going to do something, you know, Woman in Black. You know, it's not the best movie on earth, but I can see why he went for that. And, you know, it's a good attempt, and, and I'm sure he's going to do more drama stuff. I don't think he's going to actually probably do too much more blockbuster stuff in his career just because yeah. he's Harry Potter to everyone. Um, right. But we'll see. We're, I, I don't know. Maybe when he looks like his character does at the end of part two, um, <laughs> he'll, start, he'll start picking. He'll start picking up some some uh, serious English drama roles. <laughs> I saw it on TV again last night, and I was like, "Well, everybody is looking kind of weird, but Hermione Hermione still looks good." Yeah. So now we know what Hermione is as a milf. But, so. but she just looks like she's like 16 still, you know, but like with some like kind of cursory, horrible makeup. Right. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty stoked on Expendables 2 having every single action star in history um, in that movie. And now it looks like it might be heading to TV. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, I, to tell you the truth, I didn't actually read that story. I'm not sure what the deal is. I'm assuming that it's a um, Stallone producing it, but not appearing, obviously, right? Yeah, I, I imagine. I, I can't imagine that you would ever get the whole cast for The Expendables um, in a show like that. It just some, would not you, be happening. Yeah, um, you might be able so, to get some of those. Lionsgate's looking to adapt his feature films into some television series. Um, you know, this is this is one of them. Step Up could be one of them. Red could be one of them. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think Expendables on TV could work. But the problem with it is that Expendables exists because it's got all these action stars in it. Um, in and of itself, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, the, 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 the whole point of it was to see these guys together so if you suddenly have other actors playing the roles who you don't necessarily care about where's the fun in that yeah and, and that might be yeah. the issue right um yeah. we'll see i mean i go for it try it i think red might be more interesting as a series um yeah. and i think it would be a little bit less reliant on having the leads from the movie in it you know i, I think you could recast that a la mash and make it a pretty cool series based on you know sort of the humor of it and just the setting of it and and the conceit of it um i think that could be a good film series yeah or a whoever TV, thought, series. tv series whoever thought red would we'd still be talking about red right it's before it came out i mean you know i enjoyed the movie and uh it was a lot of fun and i could see why they're going for the sequel and the, the tv series idea but when you first just heard about the concept it was kind of like didn't seem like something that would be so long lasting. They just got really decent talent involved, you know, like I wouldn't say it's like the world's greatest talent, but you know, in terms of like writing and directing and stuff, I think they got some really solid people um, yeah. to do a really solid movie that was enjoyable. And I think it resonated with uh, very, you know, differing audiences. And I think it definitely pulled in some of the, some of the baby boomer crowd, um, you know, just based on the fact that, 
I know when I'm like an older guy, I'm probably going to want to see stories about older people still kicking ass, you know, (laughs) maybe that's, maybe that's some kind of like mental Viagra I'm going to need. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. I definitely, I'll definitely be wanting to watch movies with, with Helen Mirren, no matter how how old she is. Or or maybe I'll just go back and watch all the Roger Moore Bond movies and up until I'm 70 and be like, see, I can still do it. (laughs) I, when I, I was know. a kid, might... when I was a kid, when I watched Roger Moore on Bond, I was always like, "What in the hell? Like, <laughs> this guy looks like he's sixty-five years old, and he takes his shirt off, and he looks like he's seventy-five years old." <laughs> I, was, I had no idea why any any young thing would want to sleep with him, and I was yeah. just like, "He looked like you know, freaking." He he went to like tanning how. <laughs> his hair looked odd. like he just found it you know at the barbershop on the floor <laughs> but it's like they didn't even they never thought that they could just recast it's like they just kept churning them out with him for, I don't know, oh <laughs> man things were different back then right it's like <laughs> well and i think i think actually the you know sort of mean age of of um you know characters portrayed in movies was much higher back then now it's come down to you know be a little bit more adolescent and by the way i'm not like hoping for that i don't want bond to be like 22 james bond just starting out you know like i don't want to see i don't want to see a young bond franchise but roger moore took it beyond dude (laughs) the young james bond chronicles so you know it might happen. So <laughs> it could have been a Metamucil ad, you know, like Octopussy. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm being a little bit unfair now, but I'm just kind of I'm just kind of running early, with it. The early stuff, no, the early stuff was good though. Yeah, Live and Let Die and uh, Man with the Golden Gun. You know, when he before he had had his first broken hip. Uh, <laughs> before they issued him a walker with the little tennis balls on. <laughs> But you're right. She was like, "Oh, I've got something for you, James." <laughs> uh, what is it? Yeah. What's its secret? Uh, secret ability? Oh, well, you see, James, it helps you walk across the room. James, it helps you stand and not fall. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, the living um, daylights. Um. So speaking of. Uh, you want to talk about the Bourne trailer? Yeah, you just, saw, you almost just made a gym-like segue. Yeah, I was trying to. <laughs> I don't have that gym power, but... Uh, <laughs> he is the king of segue. He is, yeah. The Bourne Legacy, uh, I guess it was the first full trailer, really, uh, was released, right? And uh, I, I'm into this movie now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've liked every single one of the Bourne, the Bourne movies um and i think i think it was a good idea obviously the the matt damon situation is what it is but i i think it was a good idea to continue this franchise even without him um so yeah and it does have tony gilroy writing and directing it who's the guy who had a lot to do with the scripts on the on the previous films if, if i'm not mistaken so uh it's you know it's still got the it doesn't have damon but it does have the, a guy who had a lot to do with it creatively, uh, and it, they're they're definitely judging by that trailer. They're really not uh, hiding the connection to Jason Bourne. Well, the name of the movie is the Bourne Bourne Legacy, I guess. But right. I mean, do, do you see a picture of Damon in the trailer. 
it's brief, but you see him, and they keep talking about Jason Bourne, and it kind of seems like the story maybe is taking place concurrently with events that happened in the in the third film. Uh, so uh, they're 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 tying they're, they're keeping it pretty close to the whole mythology, and it's just kind of like uh, this is a something else that's going on in this reality. Right. Uh, so. Uh, and Jeremy Renner, he he's due for a uh, a hat trick now, I guess, because he has Avengers and he has he had Mission Impossible three or Mission Impo- Mission Impossible four, um, which were both resounding successes. So now hopefully he can pull it off with this one as well. I think uh, this will perform, and I think he's now a, a quantifiable property. You know, he's been in enough movies yeah. that people are like, oh yeah, Jeremy Renner. Um, he by the way, freaking Hurt Locker, man, what a what a windfall for him. Like yeah, that really really propelled him, and I think uh, it's great because I I actually think he's great. Um, yeah, yeah. So sure. so what about this? Uh, what about this Star Trek malarkey? <laughs> There's this thing called Star Trek. You might have heard of it, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they keep J.J. Abrams being so secretive. He won't. He never discloses any info about his his projects until you really like getting right on around the time of release so no one knows who the bad guy is in star trek 2 uh, of course is he's played by benedict cumberbatch from sherlock cumberbatch. Um, but um he uh he no one knows who he's playing but there's been some pretty reliable inside word from sites like uh, trekmovie.com uh who they, they're saying that it's khan the the character from oh. wrath of khan right which makes a lot of sense, I guess. It's, he's probably the most identifiable villain in the Star Trek world for mainstream audiences. Uh, and the filmmakers have said that they want to go kind of with a Dark Knight approach, kind of like this being the Dark Knight to um, what this being the Dark Knight to the first Star Trek being Batman Begins. Right. Which which is to say they kind of expand the mythology. They brought the Joker in, the big villain in the second movie of that series. So everyone thinks that it's Khan, but Simon Pegg, who plays Scotty, came out and basically said it's not Khan, and and I'm sick and tired of all of you people scrounging around for scoops that aren't there. <laughs> he basically put down what we do for a living. <laughs> Way to go, Simon. <laughs> Which is funny. Enjoy your Simon, mansion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, just kidding. He, uh, he's kind of a fanboy himself. I mean, that's where he made his his bones in a lot of ways right he's courting that audience yeah he he's a big fan of this stuff as well that's well documented so it's interesting that he would uh kind of take that approach but you know these interviews you you never know what under what circumstances they happen maybe simon Pegg was in a bad mood that day or maybe he i've definitely uh, definitely had interviews i'm sorry to cut you off i've definitely had interviews yeah. where um you know i've i've interviewed somebody that been lovely one time and then i came back and interviewed him you could tell they were tired into the day like yeah. hassled you know sick of what they're doing at the moment and they give you a terrible interview the second time yep um yeah, so it's, it's just you know it's kind of luck of the draw and you, what you don't want to be is you don't want to be the person after some asshole who upsets them because yep. then they're going to be like mind completely unfocused and yep. you know you're going to get you're going to get like the worst answers ever that happened to me a couple yep. times on red carpets where i'd be behind one of these like fashion magazines and they'd start oh, asking God. all these idiot questions about people's relationships and then you're there just like hey i have a legit question about how this movie was made or how it pertains to yep. you know the fans and 
you know, just because somebody had to ask if they're if they were going to circumcise their baby, you know, like <laughs> then you <laughs> you lose out on your question. It's almost as bad as when you have to go in right after a really hot uh, chick reporter uh, <laughs> is doing doing an interview. That I remember, I I had to go in to talk to uh, Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington for American Gangster right after this, like <laughs> you know, like twenty year old six foot to uh bucket of deliciousness with, <laughs> in like knee, knee-high boots was like right she went first and i could hear russell crowe and denzel washington having the time of their lives talking to this young hot young girl and then i go in there i go in with you know i've got my flannel shirt on and you know i haven't shaved and you know it's like they're just kind of like oh shit now we gotta talk to this guy you know so. i think the, the moral of this story is you've got to tart it up a bit <laughs> I do have the knee-high boots in my closet, so uh. <laughs> you gotta you gotta start tarting it up. Um, so anyway, Simon Pegg, yeah, whatever, buddy. So uh, more, well, I guess I guess moving on to a different geek subject. Iron Man three had a bunch of crazy scoops coming out this week. Yeah, uh, so they're shooting. They just started shooting down in North Carolina, and already uh, spy photos have have come from the set of uh, the Iron Patriot armor from the comics, which is basically uh, sort of like Captain America-style armor. Armor. It's very patriotic. It's got the star on it, red, white, and blue. And in the comic books, it's uh, it's actually Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, right. who wears that armor when he's like the leader of these like this evil version of the Avengers. Um, you know, comics, go figure, this kind of thing goes on. <laughs> but uh, so, but of course, Sony owns the rights to Norman Osborn because he's the Green Goblin and that's a Spider-Man character. So it couldn't be Norman Osborn in the Iron Man movie, but those, some other spy photos reveal that it's actually James Badgedale who is playing a supporting villain from what we think or a supporting character uh, in Iron Man 3 named Cold Blood. So what we can kind of gather from this is that other people are using uh, um, Tony Stark's armor in Iron Man 3, which I guess kind of ties into the second one where he didn't want to give the government uh, his his equipment or his technology. Right. It looks like, um, considering that's got this star-spangled thing going on with the Iron Patriot armor, it, it almost feels like maybe the government now does have his equipment. Right. His, te his tech. So, um and in addition to that, Latino Review, who always seems to have these inside sources on these Marvel movies, their scoops are usually right. They're insisting that the Mandarin is in the film. That's he's played by Ben Kingsley. Uh, ben Kingsley's villain will be the Mandarin, and that he's kind of the um, the main villain is Guy Pierce, who plays the the dude who like invents the extremist biotech or whatever, um, and then. Uh, Mandarin is kind of his silent partner off in the distance. So I could see Mandarin uh, be, Mandarin being introduced and then having be a bigger, you know, featured villain in 4. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Which raises a, a question which is where what's going on with Robert Downey Jr.? How much more of these does he will he do or does he want to do? Well, he's come uh, out and said that he would he would and would like to just do Sherlock Holmes and Iron Man movies for the rest of his career. I mean, that's... <laughs> Did these actually say that? Yeah. And, I mean, that may be tongue-in-cheek, but, uh, you know, he made $50 million 
on Avengers. Why would he want to stop now? Yeah, he did, right? Yeah. That's so, the I mean, yeah. if you're building up a little nest egg for your future. <laughs> for, for little Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Jr. Yeah. For, for RD4 or RDJ4 or whatever. <laughs> it sounds like a, an astromech droid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that was a nerdy, uh, that was a very specific nerdiness that you just said there. Oh, a little astromech. Um, all right. So, we got we to gotta move along. We got to through some more yeah. news um okay um you know somebody asked uh, chris nolan if the joker would be referenced in dark knight rises what did he say no <laughs> all right he said that yeah he said no you're not gonna he's you're not even gonna they're not even gonna mention the joker because he feels as though he doesn't i mean the gist of it was he doesn't want to dishonor heath ledger's memory and the work he, they did together in creating the their version of the joker so I guess Nolan just feels that the Joker story is done. This movie is about Bruce Wayne, and it's not about the Joker anyway. So we know Nolan's not one to really go in for fan service type stuff anyway. Uh, he's not a big Easter egg guy or anything. So he just feels the Joker's done, and that's it. And you're not going to see him or hear about him, uh, which makes sense. One, right? one and done. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think in this universe it definitely... You know, it's yeah. not, I don't feel like it's going to be lacking because they didn't mention him. So right. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Um, yeah. You know, we were talking last week about G.I. Joe delays, and turns out that, that Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum <laughs> might be behind some of these delays. Yeah, so the movie uh, – well, the reports came in that the movie tested with audiences poorly because – spoiler, possible spoiler alert here – Channing Tatum's character Duke gets killed off early in the movie, which it doesn't really feel like much of a spoiler, actually. I, I think we all kind of suspected that this was what was happening, that all the G.I. Joe characters from the last movie were kind of killed off. But I guess audiences didn't like this. They felt like this is a character who was the star of the first movie. Uh, they wanted to see more of a relationship develop between him and Dwayne Johnson, the Rock's character in this film. And so... Uh, an inside source at Paramount say, is saying that this is one of the reasons they delayed the film, but they they shot n more footage with Tatum, and they might even do more footage, and and perhaps the character won't even die now in the um in the version of GI Joe that eventually comes out next March. Uh, it's interesting because basically what's happening here is the original cut of GI Joe too is just not never going to be seen by the public. Probably it's going to be a different movie that comes out. It's not just a 3D conversion, which is the official word. So, uh, will it be a good movie? <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Yes, yes, <laughs> we shall. We shall see about that. Um, so yeah, um, and then wrapping up, uh, you know, Deckard possibly back for Blade Runner two. Harrison Ford, yeah. So Ridley Scott's obviously doing the rounds, and and he was asked about about that, and he said that he he said that he really couldn't see not having Harrison Ford in the movie in some capacity but he doesn't expect that uh that he'll the character would be the star of the film more kind of like maybe a cameo or something along that, those lines but what I what I thought was funny from that interview was he refers to Harrison Ford as Harry which <laughs> I've never heard before uh, right <laughs> Harry Ford so I guess it works I don't know good old Harry <laughs> I, Ford I don't want to see Blade Runner two though. What do you think, Chris? I don't. Uh, I don't mind if it's if it's uh, really Scott, you know, doing it. I don't mind. Um, I just I, I want to see 
you know, I just want to see it. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear that much about it. I don't want to know, right. you know, what, what all goes into it. I just kind of want to see it and then judge it on its own merits because mm. you know, it's going to be this long ponderous examination of every detail, which, you know, we're totally party to. Um, yeah. but you know, for me, if I, if I could have it my way, I would love to just go to the theater and see that thing tomorrow and be like, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So wrapping up, um, we've got uh, Snow White and the Huntsman coming out this weekend. We also have Piranha Three Double D. Um, where, where do you think those are going to fall, and and where do you think uh, Men in Black is going to end up? Yeah, well, you know, Piranha Three Three Double D is uh, um, it's really getting a pretty limited release. I think uh, it's kind of going video on demand at the same time. Uh, that it's hitting theaters and it's not hitting that many theaters. Uh, I don't remember how many, but like, I think less than a hundred maybe. Yeah. So, so I don't even know how to predict that that number. But um, Snow White. I mean, I'm I'm really bad at the box office predictions, but I don't know. Snow White. Maybe it's it's it is an anomaly, but like we were saying before, who knows with Kristen Stewart how people are going to react. Uh, to her, but. I don't know, forty million. Yeah, that's the ballpark of what I was thinking it was going to be in. I think it'll do slightly better. Um, I think it's going to be forty-five million. Um, right. And then I think, man, I guess I think uh, Men in Black is going to come in second. Um, yeah. Which is, but it, it'll drop significantly. I mean, it opened at fifty-five. I think it'll be at about twenty um, this weekend. Um, mm. What do you think for that? Yeah, maybe a little bit more. It's going to drop precipitously, I would think. Uh, so I was thinking maybe like 25. Okay, so uh, 40, 25. And then um, we got, after that, we got like Avengers. I think we'll probably hold in the third position. Um, it had uh, 36 million last week. So I think it's going to do about 15 million. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. I would say maybe a little bit more, maybe 17. 17 million and then after that you know it's who cares it's all, gra <laughs> it's think, all gravy i also think that uh that piranha 3 D is not going to really do much of anything based on the limited number of of theaters um but uh yeah if it, yeah. If it hits like five million i think i'll be surprised yeah I'm, i might be mistaken i i don't remember exactly what the release is but i think it was pr pretty limited so um but go to IGN.com and read our, our review of Piranha 3DD. Yeah. Maybe you'll want to see it after, <laughs> Maybe not. after you read our review. Um, and Maybe then we not. also have reviews up of uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, um, as well as Prometheus, which we talked about in this podcast. So go check it out. I like Snow White and the Huntsman. I, don't, I think there, it's pretty flawed, but I think um, it's beautiful, and there are some good things about it. It's a bit overlong, but I think it's worth checking out for fantasy fans. Um, mm. and, uh, and, uh, yeah, there's some really cool elements of it. I think that the director is going to actually do some cool stuff. So thanks a lot for listening. Go over to iTunes and rate us over there. Um, send any emails you have to keeping it real at IGN.com and Jim and I will try to get to them in the next podcast. Um, we're actually going to be out next week, uh, because E3 is going on. We're going to all be down there, but we'll come to you, uh, after that, uh, with a brand new podcast. So stay tuned for that. Thanks a lot for listening. Later.